Once upon a time, there was a little boy called Howard who loved writing stories. Little Howard dreamed of being a writer And so he sat down to every nighter But everything he wrote was fucking shite, yeah wubba dubba do wubba dubba do Worst writer in the world 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 He's a stupid Rubbish writer. Welcome to the worst writer in the world with me, Rufus, and there's a voice keeps on calling him <laughs> down the road. That's where he's always been. It's Howard Long. Thank you to the British Comedy Guide for hosting this show. Thanks to all of our lovely patrons on Patreon for putting money into this show. Putting money in us. And thanks to you for listening to this show. You layabout. We're We're back with The Last Olympian. It's part nine and many, many things have happened. Most importantly, though, Samael, our hero, is working for his brother Kofensi to bring equality to the world. (laughs) And all he's got to do to bring equality to the world is have his (laughs) eye and fingertips replaced Mm -hmm. and Take over the identity yes. of Mortimer Sykes. And get a job. That's right. So, he is, so he's got to get a job. Mm-hmm. But in a sense, he hasn't because he's all, like Mortimer Sykes already got one. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, uh, yeah. So he, you know, he, he takes over Mortimer Sykes' identity. <laughs> he's got to and then do just a job. <laughs> wanders into his life, right? Yeah, yeah. And he went to a station and got picked up by Bridget Astor, mm. who... Is the blue-skinned Smurf. Smurf woman from <laughs> yeah. that he saw at, in a bar earlier on and immediately fell in love with, mm-hmm. right? And that's where we left them, I think. He has taken he has successfully disguised himself like. as Mortimer Sykes with just a few bits of major surgery. Yes. <laughs> and now, now he's taken over his life and doing his job. Alright, so shall we get on with the episode then, Howard? Yes, please. So, Howard, how was your trip to Coville last weekend? You didn't tell me about it. Like, just going off on a little jaunt to sunny Coville for a whole weekend. We couldn't even record anything. It was like, oh, you ready to do some recording, Howard? Like, no, I'm in Coville, having a great time without you. Didn't even take me. <laughs> didn't even invite me to Coville. Oh, come, hey, sorry, hey, would you like me hey, to Rufus. get my TARDIS go back and invite you <laughs> yeah. to come to Coville? Hey, Rufus, come. do you want to come round my house and eat my coast? <laughs> <laughs> and eat my coasters. I've disguised them as biscuits. I've written digestive on them to make it even more difficult for idiots. <laughs> I've written nice on my coasters, see if idiots will eat them. Come around and have an nice. intelligence test at my, at my house. I mean, imagine if um, I did really like my coasters and decided to write nice on them. And, and more People were more convinced than ever that yeah. they were... Biscuits. Of course, the biscuits have got nice written on them. What else has nice written on it except biscuits? Yeah. I mean, nothing else is actually nice, is it? So yeah. be lie. I mean, who has nice written on the coast? <laughs> yeah, so anyway, I'm a bit disappointed you didn't invite me around to your house to eat your coasters. You would be. You would be disappointed because like, when I, when I got to Coville, um, at some point, the journey home, I passed through to a different universe. Um, really? 
and, oh, wow. and, okay. and, and um, you're here now. So I mean, you were probably already in this one, so you might already know this thing about. Yeah, this might be this might be the first time we've met, strictly speaking. Mm. Right? Until now, I might have known a slightly different Howard, and you knew yeah. a slightly different Rufus. We should do a little test in a minute and try and work that okay. out. Well, because I discovered something that definitely was not true up until when I went home to Colville um, um, last week. It would never ever been true ever before until I got to Colville. And well, then... this is actually then then this is the test, right? Because you kind of think you'd mm. think like if it was a memory test then you'd ask me and if i agree with you mm. um then it's like okay but no now actually for for your for your theory to be true i have to disagree with you yeah Right, I have to remember it differently because your theory is that you have switched into a different universe. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my memory should yeah, but... should be against yours because I'm from this universe, right? Yeah, but I mean, it's not something maybe you would know about. I mean, yeah, you would know about okay. it because I would have told you. Because I discovered, because what I discovered when I went home to Colville is that every Saturday, um, my dad, um, when he does the shopping, he also goes for a cup of coffee with a man called Greg. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Grek. Yeah, Grek. Was are, like, you, mm. this, <laughs> are you quite sure about this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was like, what? Because okay. I thought they said Gret to begin with. I was like, you know, yeah, this is too, too then... crazy. But it was like, no, no, not Gret. That would be insane. No, that's, no, that's, some, that's not a name. Someone called Grek. And I'm like, yeah. And like, <laughs> my mum was like, yeah, he goes every Saturday. We're like, um, but... Hang on, quick question. Is Grek short for Grekery? <laughs> <laughs> Um, disappointingly, it's um, his real name's Graham, but nobody Greg knows. Greg is Graham. I thought it. I was assuming you were going to tell me he was Polish or something. No, you know, like or some 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 country that has that name, but I've just never heard of it. But like yeah. actually, like in Russia, that's quite a common name, Greg. Mm. You know, <laughs> you know. But no, you're saying he's just an English guy called Greg, called who calls whose nickname is Greg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and his surname's really nothing like it either. I can't remember what it was, but it was like Brown or something like, like Greg Grekington or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that would have explained it, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> or, or, or Eck. If his name was um, Graham Eck, then it would have been like, yeah, Greg. There we go. That makes sense. Graham Eck, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, uh, he's, he goes every Saturday. And I was like, you know, no, he doesn't because I've been here a lot in my life and always go with him whenever I'm here. And, um, and Do you? To, yeah, okay. yeah. And so, so then it got retconned. It was like, then I spoke to my dad. It was like, uh, oh yeah, um, um, sometimes he's not here. So, like, so he's never not. He's, he's usually not here when I'm here. But sometimes Greg doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes he, he Mandela's into a different universe, but then he comes back again. <laughs> um, so what you're saying is that this. Like your dad's saying that he always goes and hangs out with Greg. Yeah. Could his idea of always be a bit shorter than yours? Could it actually yeah. be just the last three months he's been doing it every Saturday, which seems like a long time to him? Like you know, I mean, every Saturday for three months is quite a lot of just to see one man called Greg. <laughs> but, <laughs> but when but when you're there and they're like saying always, oh, he always does that. You're like, well, that must mean at least since the last time I visited. But yeah. actually, it doesn't even stretch back that far. Is that a possibility? Uh, or are they saying, no, since you were a kid, he's been going out with Greg <laughs> since you were eight years old. We met at, at the school gates picking you up, me and Greg and his son, little Greg. Well, he... Greg Jr. <laughs> <laughs> well, he has known Greg since he was a teenager. So, so but no, longer than you've been alive. Apparently, Greg used to go for coffee with someone else from the old gang, but then that person passed away and, oh, and, um, and they were at the funeral and he went like... Um, I'm free for coffee on Saturdays now because this bloke's dead. Yeah, I can go for coffee wow. with you, Greg. Um, and so a couple of years, I think, apparently. But 
And I guess, you know, I'm not there very often, but like every time I've yeah. been there, it's been the weekend and I've always gone into Coville just for this the hell of it just to stay try and stave off the boredom and then realize that it's just adding to it <laughs> <laughs> yeah what what exactly did you think Coville was going to do for your boredom have a rubbish library what? have some rubbish pubs have a rubbish shop or two well that's it because it's like it's full like of weird people it's like most <laughs> most places in england now like half of the shops are now charity shops um so i like to go wander through those okay fair enough yeah that's interesting but um, yeah, you don't really turn up any brilliant books, uh, expensive books, when you're in Coville because people just read Virginia <laughs> everyone's, and Everyone's poor and basic in Coville. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so there you go. That's it. That's all I had to say. It was apparently my dad has been friends with a person called Greg his entire life, and I just found out. <laughs> yeah. The thing that makes that dubious to me is that like no one's called Greg. No one has ever been called Greg, and yeah. that's definitely made up, and yeah. it's not true. Yeah. And and clearly what he was doing was he was doing a bit about someone called Greg, but then he mispronounced it and then just decided to go with it. He's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, my friend. And he was going to say my friend Greg. He was making it up on, you know, he's not got a friend called Greg either, but he just he's just playing a little trick on you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Howard, you know, my friend Greg. Oh, fuck, I said Greg. All right. And you're like, Greg, who's Greg? You know, and he's like, oh, well. You know, Greg, Greg, Greckington, <laughs> Greg, Greckington, my best friend who I've known since uh, we were teenagers. Yeah. But his mate died recently, and um, at the funeral, right? Mm. Greg was like, "Oh, who am I going to Greg my coffee with now? <laughs> who am I going to Greg out with on a Saturday and Greg a coffee with?" Yes. And I was like, "Listen, Greg, I can Greg a coffee with you. I love Grecking coffee, and I haven't been able to because you know I'm not Greg." <laughs> So I'll join you every Saturday from now, and obviously now being 1987, until uh, at least 2023, every Saturday, and I'll, and I'll make a point of telling my son frequently about it as well. <laughs> it's like, you made it up. There's no one called Greg. I would demand to meet Greg if I was you. Oh, I saw Greg. You did? Oh, fuck, so he is real. He was or, a... or someone's in on it. Well, he was, I don't mean, I didn't meet him. He was like, my dad said you can come for the coffee if you like. I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go, No. No, I don't want to go for coffee with Greg. You want me to sit opposite a man called Greg <laughs> and not just point at him and laugh? <laughs> Come on. But uh, we pulled up into a car park and parked next to him. That's how it works. What, and then didn't get didn't get out of the car and add your coffees brought to you like your Fred Flintstone at the drive No, no, I went off and I guess they went for a coffee. The thing is, like, this is how their routine works, is that like, if he gets to the car park and Greg's there, I guess they go for a coffee. What, so it's, a, it's always a coincidence? <laughs> yes, they go for a. What is he saying? They go for coffee every Saturday by accident. Well, no, <laughs> no. This is like he knows that he goes for the coffee, and that's where like uh, it's like. It's I'm like, not saying uh, he doesn't realize he does it. Yeah, no, he knows no, he goes, I mean, but if they it's don't like in the plan old it, days, it's by accident. It's like two old men that don't use mobile phones. So it's like, listen, if um, if I if you're there on Saturday, every Saturday morning at nine a.m., we'll go for a coffee. So anytime right, he turns okay. up, if he's there, it's like. Yeah, if he's not there, then he don't go for a coffee, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, unless he's got his inflatable Greg with him, in which <laughs> case he does. Yeah. All right, so Samael has successfully taken over Mortimer Sykes' identity. And now he's going to a party with hot redhead Bridget Astor. <laughs> Just a hot redhead who was there to meet him at the train station for some reason. <laughs> Hello, I'm the hot redhead that the, 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 the company provides. We give you an apartment and a hot redhead to every new employee. 
Because Howard's writing it. Yeah. I wonder why she was meeting him. That seems like the job of a chauffeur, doesn't it? Yeah. What's her job? I mean, we, I mean what is anybody's we, job? What is her job at biotech? <laughs> you know, you know. She, I mean, she, she seems like a comfort lady, doesn't she? <laughs> Cut to exterior Basilius Rex's mansion mm. night. A massive Edwardian structure lit up with more fairy lights than a respectable person should own. <laughs> right, hang on. Why Why are the number of fairy lights that a person owns yeah. uh, related to their respectability? Right? Like, what is the number at which point your fairy lights make you not respectable anymore? <laughs> I mean, it's a massive Edwardian structure. It lit up with more fairy lights than a respectable person should own. I think what you're, what you're saying is that this person has too many fairy lights. He's got a lot of lights. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that, that, that's like it's over and it's extravagance because the number, he's got so many fairy lights that it's actually costing him a lot in electricity uh, to run them and therefore he's rich. Yeah. Whereas a respectable person mm. should only have like maybe 100, 150 fairy lights and any more than that is just showing off. Right? Yeah. Like what, what do you need all those fairy lights for? What are you illuminating? That's your right, gold? Yeah. <laughs> is it illuminating your gold? That's right, because they don't have anything in the slum town, do they? So I think that the reason that they don't have lights there is because they're using all the power to light Basilius Rex's fairy lights. Yeah, that's why. He's, that's fact, how. That's the kind of evil man he is. In fact, yeah, because it, like in movies, you want like represent, you want representative imagery and stuff. You want a good. You don't want to go into the full details of how society works and inequality mm. and so on. You want one nice visual image that demonstrates. These rich people are basically um, sucking the life out of the poor people. Yeah. And so what you have in the beginning, you should see uh, Samuel, in fact, should have one sad string of 25 fairy lights <laughs> in his flat, right? Yeah, coloured ones just, as well. Yeah, no, Not white ones like Mercedes <laughs> Rex. <laughs> and he should, when he wakes up and does his whole like shaving, throwing mm. his razor at the wall, pissing out the window thing, yeah. he should also try and switch his fairy lights on, but they should fizz and not work yeah, because there's no electricity going mm. to it. But then at this point, we realise the reason is because Basilius Rex is sucking all the electricity mm. into his house for his billion fairy lights that he doesn't even need. They're not even doing anything. It's just showing off. And then we get this picture of the inequality between the slums and the the, the gold people. As yeah, called. the gold people. Yeah, good. I like it. All right. Anyway, a horse-drawn carriage pulls up and Bridget and Samuel emerge from within. Mm. I love how people emerge in your script really often. <laughs> yeah. Wow. He thought his pad was cool. Check this place. Oh, his, <laughs> right. His new pad. I thought you meant like he thought his room that where he pisses out of the window and he doesn't have a bed <laughs> yeah. was cool. But no, you mean the, the new one, don't you? Yeah, OK. No. I mean, his original one. Like, he thought his 25 <laughs> fairy lights that don't work were good. <laughs> But look at this, this guy's billion. got a billion. <laughs> and look at his beans, my God. So many beans. <laughs> look at that. He's got a swimming what. pool filled with beans and a bean fountain. I'll tell you what they should have, right? If you really want to show off your beans, you should build um, a Christmas tree out of beans. Mm. So, like, you know, like a... Um, the tins a, or the actual called? beans? A, a cone. No, the tins, right? Okay, no, right. it'd be difficult to use the actual beans to make an actual Christmas tree. <laughs> no, like, build up a pile of tins, but in the cone shape. Because I'm thinking... And always, then... Yeah. Decorate it with fairy lights. Yeah, beautiful. Hang on, I've just worked it out. I've just worked out 
the the rest of this because you know we talked about how your bean analogy is good but doesn't quite incorporate the very rich mm. because you've got the kind of but um, it's particularly good to describe m- the middle classes or the way you know middle classes think and and kind of the attempt to social climb and stuff but we it didn't really involve the mega rich but I've just got it. Like, what's his name? Basilius Rex. Mm. If he has a mountain of tins of beans, then it's his, like, it's specially made just for him, and no one else has that brand. It's Basilius Rex brand beans, yes. basically. And they're not, that's not because he owns a bean company and therefore you can buy them. He's paid someone a lot of money to make special beans just for him mm-hmm. out of gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because that's that's how that works, right? You you get bespoke, like personally made to your own specifications, unique things when you're mega rich. Yes. But when you're kind of like climbing middle class, you're like, ooh, I've got Waitrose beans. Look at me. And you're like, yeah, they're like ten p more. Get over yourself. <laughs> yeah. But Basilius Rex is paying a million pounds per tin. <laughs> Fair enough. It's like pop art then, right? Because pop art seemed to um, focus on beans for quite a while, didn't it? And so, like, if you bought a, bought a picture of some beans, oh, that's good too. Yeah, not in fact, yeah, the rich don't necessarily have beans; they have pictures of beans. Yeah, that cost because they, a million times the price of yeah. a tin of beans, and they can't even eat them because yeah. it's not about the food anymore to mm. them. Yeah, no, that's pretty good. Yeah, mm. and not and not just pop art, but what all kinds of art, like art in the future, art is mostly painting beans <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because the rich have such a, a yeah. an influence over what art is yeah. and what art is is <laughs> the is richer valuable. you are, the richer you are, the more paintings of beans you have in your house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And because in this future society, we don't know it yet, but time travel is a thing, mm-hmm. people have got beans painted by old masters because they have travelled back in time and got Rembrandt to paint a tin of beans for yeah, yeah, something. Yeah. So this is my Rembrandt beans. Uh, just went and got it yesterday. Uh, paid him a million pounds. He's rich now. <laughs> So um, Bridget strolls up to the door, which is bouncered by two massive men. So two massive men are bouncering a door. That's what that says. I don't know what it means. I mean, but they won't let true. the door in the house. <laughs> which is fine, which is a good, a good thing. I mean, normally doors just can't get in anyway because of the door frame. Yeah. But this is quite a small door, but, yeah. uh, but, it is, but it's also a troublemaker. Mm. So they're like, no, go home. Mm. Some people are having trouble getting in, but Bridget strolls right up and they let her through. Mm. And Bridget says, he's with me. Samael follows her in. Interior Basilius Rex's mansion, lobby night. A huge marble entrance with a champagne fountain set between double spiral staircases up to a second floor. People are scattered about hedonistically drinking. Hedonistically drinking? How do you hedonistically drink? With, you the, with, your, with your head. I just think I feel like going to say what hedonistic meant. <laughs> Yeah, no, okay, you've nailed that. Yeah. I was I was having a lot of trouble trying to work out how you because it's not drinking hedonistic substances or whatever. It's it's doing the action in a hedonistic <laughs> yeah, yeah. way. Mm. But you're right. It means you, using your head rather mm. than like I don't know, opening a <laughs> hole in your chest and pouring it in, which is not a good way to drink. Yeah, uh, it's important to let the, let the viewers know that that's how people drink in the future, <laughs> just the same way we do. <laughs> Otherwise, the director might like see the script and be like, "People, do you think people drink through their necks now?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then I mean, the thing is, most people. If you said, "What? What? How do people drink?" They'd be like, they wouldn't say with their head. They'd say with their mouth, right? <laughs> so maybe, maybe what you're saying is these people have a funnel sticking out of the top of their heads, and they're all pouring champagne in it. Okay, so it's like that scene with um, B. Arthur from Golden 
girls when she's in Star Wars Christmas special. She pours drink into the top of the head of an alien. Does she? Yeah. Wow. And isn't it interesting that this is the second time in this script that we've started talking about the Star Wars holidays? <laughs> yes, I don't remember. Yeah. Because early on, um, I thought it was probably right at the beginning because it was when we first saw Samael, but he was under the bed and it said the, the, the his bed was lumpy and then we went off <laughs> on about lumpy from the Star Wars holiday special for about 20 minutes. Brilliant. Yeah, good times. People are scattered about hedonistically drinking, drugging and fucking, perhaps. Mm. Perhaps. Like, we're not sure. No, Maybe it's just the name are. of someone. <laughs> Forward orderly cue, please. I know you all want to fuck me, Mr. Perhaps, yeah. but one at a time, please. Uh, anyway, it says, uh, people are scattered about hedonistically drinking, drugging and fucking, perhaps, like eyes wide shut. <laughs> Which is a movie, I guess, that I haven't seen. Yeah, and in that movie, right... B. Arthur pours drink into the top of someone's head and there's loads of people fuck Mr. Wow. Perhaps at the same time. <laughs> okay, that is very similar. And Lumpy's there. <laughs> yeah, Lumpy's there. Yeah, okay. A jazz band is set up and plays by the fountain. Samael says, This isn't possible. Where are we? There's so many lights, so many champagne fountains, so many nut things in chocolate stuff. It's amazing here. Bridget says, it's Basilius Rex's place. Place or palace? Mm -hmm. Did a little joke there, did a little joke. So you're invited. He's gold, more than gold. He's the president, son. We're silver. Mm. So Ian Rex is the president of Britain and... Um, Basilius Rex is his son. Yeah. Okay. He's a friend of mine. Of course. You want to meet him? Samael thinks. No. Thinks further. <laughs> yes. All right. I'm going to have to have a go at performing this properly. So Bridget says, you want to meet him? No. <laughs> yes. There you go. I think I got that thinking across pretty well. Well done. Yeah, Don't worry about making a fool of yourself. He'll probably ignore you anyway. He's very particular. I know you're worried about making a fool of yourself because literally everything you've said since I met you has been <laughs> foolish and stupid. And I think you're a fool and you've done nothing to allay that idea. So, But don't worry about it because he will ignore you because you're pointless. <laughs> and I'll tell him to. Cut to interior Basilius Rex's mansion, smoking room, night. Dark varnished wood panels and wooden floors. The windows have folds of cream material hanging. Ooh. Basilius is here, smoking an elegant cigar. An elegant cigar. What's an elegant cigar? It's like swan-shaped, right? Swan-shaped cigar, isn't it? He's got like his beak in his mouth and he's lighting his tail. He's smoking an elegant cigar with a bunch of poshies. <laughs> That's what he's doing. Basilius Rex is hanging out with a bunch of poshies. Basilius is striking, for the main part, because he wears a half mask, Ooh. which runs in something of a diagonal, covering the area around both eyes. So he's the Phantom of the Opera, Yeah, right? yeah. Covering the area around both eyes and really only revealing his left cheek and his chin. So I think I have to be suspicious about this character. Right, because he's got a mask on. So <laughs> right, yeah. presumably he's going to take it off later and turn out to be his own sister. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> right. Yeah, okay. Agree. Firm agree. Yeah. 
Through the mask, his eyes are saucer-like. <laughs> Blue and penetrating. Do you know what I've never described a saucer as being? <laughs> That's a very penetrating saucer you've got there. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't, wouldn't say that. No, I wouldn't say that either. What is a saucer, anyway? That's what you put milk Something in for you a cat, right? on. Yeah, okay, right. <laughs> also that, yeah. I suppose you could have a blue saucer. They might be penetrating, it's just an afterthought. They're like, they're like a saucer, blue, full stop. <laughs> penetrating. I think actually it's meant to be three separate things. There's no Oxford comma, so it's not clear, but you've said his, his eyes are saucer-like, yeah. blue mm. and penetrating. It's actually three separate things. Okay, not yeah. that saucer-like, therefore, then explained by the phrase blue and penetrating. Right. <laughs> like that. That's what saucer-like means. <laughs> What does saucer-like mean, then? Just massive and big. Massive and big. <laughs> Saucers are famous for being massive, massive and big. Massive and big. Like, like when big you have really. a cup of tea. <laughs> Can you bring me a cup of tea on, a, on like a three-metre plate, please? Is that a thing I could do? Uh, uh, no, of course not. Get out of my cafe, yeah. you freak. Mm. I guess I was thinking yeah. in terms of like um, in comparison with your head, <laughs> yeah. you know, not, uh, yeah, yeah. not with a no. not, not compared to a cup eyes. of tea. Yeah. <laughs> his eyes are not saucer sized. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. But his apparently are. So he's got yeah. he's got huge saucer sized eyes that are blue, that are blue and penetrating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, but, but what, what are they penetrating? We don't know. <laughs> his head, probably. I mean, like <laughs> that's where eyes generally go, right? My I eyes penetrate eyes, my head. Yeah, my eyes are penetrating my head all yeah. the time. Yeah. yeah, true. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The mask is moulded to his face quite tightly. It is bone white with touches of ornate silver work. Mm. It gives nothing away about his feelings. Silver. Yeah, because masks don't, do they? <laughs> masks, masks don't like just change their expression when like you feel sad. Oh, I'm feeling sad, so my mask looks sad. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean it would be a lie anyway. If he drew a smile on it, you wouldn't be you'd assume he was always happy. <laughs> His attire is similarly bright white. One gets the sense he does not like dark colours. Yeah. In his person, he is a feat and gesticulates with a limp quality. Mm. He plays the buffoon, but underneath the facade is another story. He's not a buffoon. He's a baboon. <laughs> That's why he's wearing a mask to hide his hairy gorilla face. <laughs> Hello, my name's Basilius Gorilla. <laughs> Everybody. Gorilla. Gorilla. Come on, it's Gorillius Rex. Yeah. Oh, I meant Basilius, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. take my mask off. No, that's no, not a hairy. If the about? country find out they're being ruled by a monkey, they won't be happy, so like, he has to wear this mask <laughs> at all times. Only only one quarter of his face is um, on display, and it seems strangely hairy. But yeah, it yeah. is the bottom part, so it could be a beard, right? You could pull that off, I reckon. If you were a gorilla, yeah. <laughs> if you were a gorilla, you could pull that off. No, the beard is a beard, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so he has near him. He has near him at all times two bodyguards. Oh, yeah. Imposing, thick-set necklace types. Necklace types? They're like... Ne necklace types. <laughs> necklace yeah, yeah, he's wearing them around his <laughs> neck. neck. Yeah, yeah. Lord Greenhorn, a yeah. 70s-something with a young black girl on his arm, has approached Basilius to introduce her to him. Um, Basilius stares. Basilius stares and he says... What? I'd rather shake hands with a leper colony than touch bronze. Mm. Touch bronze sounds like a euphemism, doesn't it? <laughs> Greenhorn says, No, she's silver. She's not. She doesn't look silver. And if she is, she's very filthy, dirty silver. Mm. So this is him being racist, yeah, I guess, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's assuming because she's black, she has to be bronze. Um, low class. Mm. 
Basilius draws close to her and sniffs at her. Ooh, she stinks as bad as she looks. <laughs> He says. Yeah, this is supposed to be like a, a harrowing and scary scene, but you've somehow managed to make it hilarious. <laughs> oh, shit, shit. I mean, it's not written... I mean, it's obviously it's offensive and horrible, but it's not written very scary because he's just too quick and direct about it. It's just all like, oh, she doesn't look very stealthy. She looks right filthy dirty. Oh, she's a right smelly one as well. Bye. You know, and you've said he's got this effete, limp quality to him. It's not going to be scary. It should. I agree, it should be. It should be terrifying. No, it's fine. It's good. I like it. She runs away, knocking somebody's glass to the floor as she goes. It shatters. Greenhorn says, Darling! Oh, I'm sorry. I... I don't know who he's calling darling. His, his partner or Bas- Basilius, who he's still <laughs> standing with, right? And now the floor is danger zone for my friend's china white little footsies. What? My friend's china white little footsies. The floor is danger. It's got glass, got broken glass on it, hasn't oh, it? Oh, right. Because it's danger zone for my friend's china white little footsies because they're all walking around barefoot. Mm. Thank you they so are. much for making my house resemblant of a pigsty, oh. Greenhorn. Pigs, pigs famously breaking glass, champagne glasses in their um, styes, yeah, aren't they? Absolutely. They do. You can't walk around a pigsty without um, getting your little footsies <laughs> in, in, in danger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he stares at Greenhorn, who is meek and confused. Greenhorn says, Oh. Eventually, with everyone watching, Greenhorn stoops slowly and begins to pick up pieces of glass. Ah, okay, right. Basilia says, You fumble, you fawn, and you go on your knees. They have cleaners in this world, Greenhorn. Some are paid for their work, yet others, it appears, pay for the privilege. And while the former is... Sh- oh, that's a very long speech I'm doing. And while the former is surely preferable, wow. neither position is something to aspire to. We are the mess makers, white, rich and of no moral fibre. This is a very on-the-nose speech I'm giving here. I'll tell you what, do you want to know what I am? And probably you are as well. I am white, I've got a lot of money and I'm a scumbag as well. No moral fibre, get out, you're tainted. I can smell the shade on you. Mm, wow. That's nasty. That was nasty. Mm. But I feel that the nastiness was uh, mitigated a little bit by... How badly it was written. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm feeling the shade. I'm feeling the shade now. No, yeah, no. Mo- mo- this script so far, I've been enjoying it a lot, but I feel like Basilius's speech there could could have could have done with some cutting. <laughs> no, I think it should have been longer. Everything else has been perfect. Everything else has been perfect. I know. So he started like a. Um, by the end of the speech, though, he had turned into Harry H. Corbett. <laughs> I could feel is I that, wasn't doing very well at the point. I mean, is that why you really object to the speech? Is that like uh, the longer he talks, I couldn't do it. Yeah. yeah, I found it was getting a bit rubbish halfway through when I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> the writing, the writing was very bad when yeah, I was yeah, when yeah. I was doing it badly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now get out of here, Greenhorn! You dirty old man. Greenhorn leaves pathetically. The hubbub recommences now that the show is over. Having missed all this, Bridget approaches with Samael. Bridget says. Baz, she uses his uh, uses his nickname, and Basilia says, "Bridget, darling." So he's happy to see her. Mm-hmm. He suddenly changes from a racist to a devoted and besotted lover. That's what it says. Two things. That's what it says. Those two things are not necessarily contradictory. <laughs> I mean, you can they you are. can be both those things. No. You know, no, you can't. He can only do one thing at a time. <laughs> he's got. He's like. He's got his head. Tw- his head twist around, and and, he, and he's got. A, well, he's, he's got, got another mask. mask on. And this mask smiling. 
He, he had his yeah, racist mask his, on before. He could take his racist mask on, and underneath, like it says racist on it, and underneath yeah. it says devoted and besotted lover. Yeah. I tell you what, actually, you remember how we had a lot of problems in Forget Me Not, and I think we've come up against it in this script a little bit, mm. of you writing like what they're thinking and mm. there being just no way of representing it on screen. Yeah. Writing stuff on someone's mask could be a solution to that. Agree. Like if it, on his mask, it, on, on one of his masks, it says, I am thinking about my dead mum. <laughs> <laughs> He suddenly changes from a racist to a devoted and besotted lover. They kiss. Uh oh. Uh oh. So Bridget um, is sleeping with a racist. Samuel looks surprised, jealous, etc. Hungry. (laughs) Tired. Yeah. Gorilla. (laughs) Bridget says, This is Mortimer. He's a new puppet of yours. Uh oh. Basilius is his boss. Really? At Biotech? It's not Sykes, is it? Sykes? Yes, thank Nick you're here. Mm. Thank Nick you're here. Is he thanking Satan? Saint, no, I think, I think he's ranking Saint Nick, right? Santa Claus again, right? Okay, it's either it's either Saint Nick or it's Satan. And, yeah, and the, Nick, So far, I mean, he's already said that he's got no moral fibre. Mm. And maybe it's because he's a Satanist and he knows that, you know? Thank Satan you're here. The <laughs> very very <laughs> Thank Satan you're here. The last chap was a dickwad in the banalist extreme. Mm. Can you mix me something with a bit of a bang? Also, Samuel oh, is shit. So what is his mixologist? That or he's just a another he's got the same job, like drug dealer, right? Or drug creator, because that's what uh, actual Samuel did. Yes, of course. So is, yeah. is Maybe that's why it's more to like the same job, but for rich people. Maybe, yeah, maybe does more to yeah. have the same job but for rich people. Okay. Yeah, I forgot it was about drugs. I just thought it meant a cocktail. I'm gonna make him yeah, some no, serious does... brain bendy then. Yeah. <laughs> I can make primordial soup. That comes with a big bang. No oh, joke. Basilia says, "Toss off. Nobody can. You're lying. No. Go on. Show me." This is going to be amazing to watch. Imagine this yeah, scene definitely. as he pours different drinks into a glass. <laughs> yeah. I suppose that's what the movie Cocktail was. I don't know. I've not seen it, but I guess that's... No, me neither. Everyone found that really exciting. It's probably because Tom Cruise was hot in it. Yeah, hopefully, because if I want to watch someone mix drinks, then I could watch myself doing that and then <laughs> yeah. drink it. <laughs> yeah, and I won't even bother mixing probably it watching on. <laughs> I'd yeah. watch someone pour me a whiskey then I can watch myself do it. <laughs> I'm gonna watch Tom Cruise pour, like mix up a drink that I'm not gonna enjoy because it's got too much fucking fruit juice in it, mm. and then not even be able to drink it. And I still haven't got a drink at the end of it. I've been watching him do this for ages. Mm. Samuel rubs the fingers of his right hand to see if they're working properly, mm-hmm. because he's just had them replaced and they've still got stitches in them. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Samuel says, "Very well, but it may get a little messy." Mm. And Basilia says. I wouldn't have it any other way. Samuel grabs an unopened bottle of champagne. No, it is drinks. He is talking about drinks. Aims at a glass some distance away. He hits it and it shatters. Samuel says, that's a pre-bang. People people clap. People clap. Okay, so he is doing cocktail then. This yeah, is absolutely, but, but with more violence. <laughs> Bravo, Sykes. The cleaners are going to be demanding double pay at this rate. Samuel swigs from the bottle of champagne. Then he slowly unbuttons his jacket. His hand moves to his drug belt Ooh. and opens a few pockets, so it's a combination of drink and drugs. Mm. Then begins to add different drugs to it like a master chef. You know how master chefs often put drugs in champagne. <laughs> yeah. 
Or, I mean, like a master chef also is putting pills in a bottle. What master chef does anything similar to that? Maybe it's uh, what he's doing aside from that that makes him like a master chef. Maybe he's swearing at people really loudly. <laughs> yeah, while wearing a hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, when he has finished, he places the bottle on a table. Everybody is uncertain what is supposed to happen next. Suddenly, the chemicals react and the champagne shoots from the bottle, showering people who are too close. The bubbles are red like lava. (gasps) People scream with glee. When the froth has died down, he takes a champagne glass and pours a glass. He proffers it. Basilius motions to another guy, Copernicus, who takes the glass. <laughs> we were right about them, like I'm going to the past and bringing back people then in the time machine. <laughs> I just got Copernicus <laughs> to paint me a picture of some beans. I think I got a little confused. <laughs> Apparently, he wasn't an artist at all. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I mean that would still that would still be valuable if you were like this painting, this rubbish painting on my wall. Fucking Copernicus did that. <laughs> so, uh, Basilius motions to another guy, Copernicus, who takes the glass. Everyone watches. He pauses for effect and then swigs from the glass. Copernicus waits to see if anything is happening. All of a sudden, his face changes to a ridiculous grin and he begins to sway. People clap and cheer. Basilius says, Is it bendy? (laughs) (laughs) Is it bendy, Copernicus? Tell me, is it bendy? Quick, I need to know if the drink is bendy. And Copernicus goes... <laughs> Copernicus has lost the ability to speak. Brilliant. And has found a sudden fascination with the fairy lights and plays with them, ooing and aahing. He's a movie drug person. He's someone high in a movie going, hey, man, look at the thing that's next to me. It's just because the the writer probably just went, let the actor yeah. like get excited about it. Just leave it to the actor. Oh, wow. It's, look at these colours, man. Mm. Look at this. Look at this lights. Look at these uh, stars. And I, you know what? I... I think maybe the Earth goes around the sun. <laughs> right, that's just an idea I'm suddenly having. Now I'm so high, I'm starting to think, like, yeah. maybe the sun doesn't go around the Earth after all, man. <laughs> Shut up, Copernicus, you fucking idiot. Uh, Basilius says, Sykes, we are going to be fast friends. Come along, let's go to the games room. Basilius leads Samael and some of the guys away. The bodyguards follow. Samael beckons Bridget, but she politely shakes her head, a hint of concern behind her eyes. Mm. And then she is lost in the crowd. Okay, so Samael has met the president's son, Basilius Rex, and made him a very bendy drink. (laughs) Cut to interior Basilius Rex's mansion snooker room night. Mm. Basilius, Samael, bodyguards and cronies enter through open double doors. In the centre of the room is a snooker table. To one side of of the room... Is a bar with drinks at Al. Ooh, it's a posh. Yeah. He's got pretty got pinball machine as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely. A couple of old arcade machines, mm. right? Retro arcade machines in there. Yeah, definitely. And on the other wall hang various weapons, mm. swords, knives, and pistols. 
However, they do not stop here, but continue to another set of open doors at the other end of the room. Hmm. You're definitely going to go to the Pac-Man room now, right? <laughs> Interior Basilius Rex's mansion, corridor, night. Leaving the snooker room, they travel uh, They travel a long corridor. Hmm. I mean, I feel like they travel a long, as two were, a long corridor, but it's... Surely it's they travel along a long corridor. And also, they don't travel, they walk. <laughs> anyway, they're in a corridor, OK? They pass a few drunkards heading the other way, back to the party. This corridor seems to go on forever wow. and becomes less decorative, less pretty with every step. Oh, wow. Oh, no. So something is something spooky happening. This is like, <laughs> like, it keeps going on forever and then it's getting less decorative, like he's leading him into another world or something. Hmm. Hang on, next sentence is interesting. That's what will make a change. Beneath its glamorous veneer, there is ugliness. The house is like Basilius himself. Mm. That's fascinating. Like I like the idea, but I can't imagine how you do it. So, oh, do you mean because, like the because we're seeing the corridor change? It's like we're seeing what would be underneath the lovely decorations. Mm. Yeah. Because it's all been made up for the party, and it's got like, like things hanging on the against the wall, so you can't see how actually. Yes. It's, it's not like... that it's well decorated over there and badly decorated here. The whole house is rubbish, but he's covered it up for the party. <laughs> yeah. Is that the idea? <laughs> okay, and then yeah, that's a like metaphor a, it's, for. It's like the uh, mystery of the golden bus when they go to that that service station hotel with the <laughs> casino in it. It's a, behind the yes, curtain is. is a crack, isn't there? There's a crack because behind the the veneer. Mm. Yes, the behind the glamour, beneath the the glamorous veneer, there is ugliness. Yeah, and this time it's not just something that you thought oh, that'd be good. This time it is a metaphor for your character. Yes. It's representative of his character. Yeah, it's representative of him because the house is like Basilius himself. He has a glamorous veneer, mm. but underneath Easy. it, underneath He's that ugly. mask, he is ugly. Yeah, yeah it's not, as it's not figuratively speaking. Yeah, literally ugly. <laughs> yeah, because it's about his mask, isn't it? It's not about like yeah, the fact shit, that he's a bad shit. person. It's about um, Oh, no, I thought, yeah, you're right. I remembered halfway through that sentence that he was wearing a mask because at first I thought it was like, no, yeah. he's, he's, he's acting like like he's dressed up, he's all posh, but actually mm. he's an ugly person. Mm. But no, you mean he's actually ugly. Yeah, <laughs> which is the worst thing you can be. <laughs> As they go further, Samael begins to hear sounds of cheering. Mm. They reach some stone stairs. Interior, Basilius Rex's mansion, stone staircase, night. They travel down. The cheering... I tell you what, for someone who in most scripts wants to not use walking or movement words more than once, in this one you're using travelling just a lot. It's beautiful. Anyway. It's, it's having a resurgence, you know. I used to use it and then I yeah. stopped, it's come back. Anyway, leaving the snook room, they travel along a... Corridor, they travel past a few drunkards travelling the other way back <laughs> to the party. But no, I, I love it. It's a one it's such a wonderful affectation to just go, do you know what? I'm gonna use the word travel in a way that most people don't. <laughs> and I'm gonna do it often. It's brilliant. It's 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 idiosyncratic. It makes you uh, unique. It's it's a like a calling card mm. in your writing, which is you know, a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, they travel down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> the cheering grows louder. They reach the bottom and emerge into a vast stone chamber. Interior games room night. This is where the pinball machine is. 
The sound of the cheering and the heat and testosterone comes over Samael in waves as they enter. So there's waves of testosterone in this basement. That sounds quite disturbing. This is not your a. Hang on, this is not your atypical games room with billiards. <laughs> yeah, that's not typical. Typical billiards room. Yeah. I think I think you meant to. I think you just accidentally um, hit the letter A there because surely it should be. This is not your typical games room with billiards, <laughs> right? Because what's in, like this is not your atypical games room for a start is a confusing sentence but then to say with either way with billiards what the fuck is billiard is billiards typical or atypical for a games room i have no idea it's like it's just kind of maybe halfway through it's, it's neither uh, yeah no one feels maybe that strongly about billiards do maybe they? that's why i put atypical because i was like i don't know what i'm talking about here. i don't i don't know what i'm on about but what it actually says is oh god this is going to be horrible isn't it Oh, no, this is, yeah, this is going to be horrible. All right, so this is not your typical games room with billiards, however. Rather, a white man's torture chamber. What must have once been a vast wine cellar has now become a fighting arena, and the noise echoes loudly off the stonework. Uh, now, this is something I've seen in movies as well. In fact, I've, no, I've, seen, I've seen this in the TV show, uh, the Buffy spin-off Angel. <laughs> Right, but with monsters instead of right, yeah. <laughs> instead of poor people. Long stone steps, or rather seats, like an auditorium, descend to a large metal cage which sits in the centre. Inside the cage, two big black men are fighting to the death. Wow. They have knives and seem evenly matched, one in red pants, the other in blue. <laughs> Wait, they're just in their pants. Yeah. I mean, probably. I mean, if you're like the thing about movies, hmm. you're like, well, we well, this is a, a scene with people like they're not going to say anything, right? They're not going to be characters. So all we're going to do is we're going to get two big, good-looking, like fit men and hmm. put them in their pants. Yeah, that is exactly okay, that is exactly enough, what yeah. would happen. In it. if you hadn't said it, someone else would have done. They're like, right, these two big black men. Can we make them really good-looking and put them in their pants? Is that yeah. a, is that an option? Right, okay, let's do that then. So you're saying this scene's eye candy for the ladies and the men. No, because it's no. I'm I'm saying that it doesn't matter in movies. It doesn't have to be for anyone. It doesn't have to be like this is a titillation scene. It can be horrific, horrifically violent, and that's what it's about. But they'll still employ hot people and make them semi naked. Yeah, right? like it doesn't matter if they if they have the option of employing hot people and taking their clothes off. That is what will happen, no matter how disturbing the scene might be. Brilliant. All right, so. A large pack of whites, mostly male, are gathered around in their tuxedos, ties loosened, cheering. You may dress a man in smart clothing, but this does not a gentleman make. A little bit of philosophy there from Thank Howard. You. They have to shout to hear themselves. Hello, me! Me! <laughs> <laughs> what do I want? <laughs> Uh, a drink. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think what you mean is each other because it's talking about Bas- Basilius and Samael, not the men watching. You're saying they have to shout to hear each other, right? Or to be heard. Yeah, sure. Basilius says, what do you reckon, Sykes, red or blue? Hiding his shock and distaste for what is going on, Samael makes a racist joke. Oh, wow. I mean, the thing is, he doesn't <laughs> yeah, exactly... No, <laughs> yeah. All right, so a rabbi. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 <laughs> no, Samuel. 
don't worry, I'm just trying to join in. To be honest, I had no idea where I was going after that because I'm not a racist, so I don't have all these preconceptions about rabbis. So I had no no ideas really. Rabbi. I just got a vague impression of how racist jokes work, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I think absolutely. I think that's one of them, right? I don't really know. <laughs> it okay. would be so much better if it was two rabbis <laughs> fighting. <laughs> All right, so no, Samael. What actually? What Samael actually says? I mean, obviously, there's a racist implication to what he says, but it's not on its own a racist joke, which is a relief because I thought he was going to do a kind of you know an actual kind of like uh, set up and punchline racist <laughs> joke which was going to disturb me but what he does what he in fact what he does is he makes a racist comment or he makes right. a, a comment which, he says what okay so basilius basilius says what do you reckon sykes red or blue and samael says what's the difference uh, oh, I suppose, oh i get no i didn't get it i suppose it's because he's suggesting he's saying that they look similar mm. because they're of um a similar shade right yes. okay i get it mm. I, I didn't even pick up on that Okay, so Samael does say something racist, absolutely, and is a racist, and yeah. and but he's pretending, so that's fine. He's fine, he's pretending to be a racist. Okay, okay. Because good. yeah, I always pretend to be stupid because it's like you, it's like you, are you asking me what the difference between red and blue is because it's <laughs> a considerable one. Are you colour blind? Uh... Yeah, I suppose that's where it becomes a joke, isn't it? Because obviously he's not. He can tell the difference because they put them in red and blue mm. pants because they're all racists. Yeah. All right, I get it. Okay, so actually the, 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 the script is correct and Samael did make a racist joke and I was wrong. Basilius's lips curl into an unpleasant smile and mm. he slaps Samael... No, hang on. I've got to read this properly. I was, I, I'm, I, often when you miss out words or like make spelling mistakes or leave letters off, I just kind of correct it as I go because there's no point... Yeah. This is a first draft. There's no point making like drawing attention to the... To it, but this is actually good. Basilius's lips curl into an unpleasant smile and slap Samael on the back. <laughs> yeah. Could right, you do so that then? An, Please, the actor playing that part. Yeah. <laughs> that is some impressive lips uh, Basilius has got. Mm. Um, I think what it should say is Basilius's lips curl into an unpleasant smile and he slaps Samael on the back. Mm. He joins in with the cheering. Red pricks blue in the shoulder. Mm. Basilius says, touche. <laughs> Seeing Basilius so intently focused on the knife fight, Samael leaves his side unnoticed and walks around the cage to the other side. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All around the cage, people jeer and cheer at the fighters. There are even women in evening dresses screaming for blood. Mm. Samael is repulsed by all he sees. And round the other side of the cage, other bronze citizens are chained up and ready to fight, male and female. Mm. They sit silently aware of their fate, with little hope of survival in their eyes. Oh, no. He feels ill and ducks through a curtained doorway. So, at this point in the script, Samael finds Shin. You remember Shin from yeah. earlier who ran away into the gold zone? Yes. And unfortunately, we've decided not to include this scene because he finds Shin um, basically being tortured. Yeah. Right? And it's a bit its a bit much. Mm. And in fact, she's in such a state that she asks him to help her die. And him being the hero of this piece... <laughs> He does by giving her... Immediately does so. <laughs> immediately does. He says, yes, of course, immediately. But he does so by giving her loads of drugs. Yeah. And, and, then, uh, and then we get back to the script. So, cut to interior games room night. The fight reaches a climax. 
Blue has red on the floor and slits his throat. Okay, Blue, the fighter Blue, has the fighter red on the floor and slits his throat. A huge cheer goes up from the crowd. People begin exchanging bets. Siggies and pills, etc. Okay, so the people who won are paying up, I guess. Yeah. And people who, the people who lost are paying up, probably, actually. <laughs> rather than, rather no. than what I said, which makes... no. But hey, it's future so dystopian it world, isn't future. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you won, you loser. <laughs> give, me, give me all your cigarettes and pills. Basilius looks over. Basilius saw Samael go into the place where Shin was, right? Yeah. So now he's going after him to find out what's happening. So with intent, he begins to make his way through the crowd and his bodyguards move after him. So it looks like Basilius is going to catch Samael doing murdering, murdering people, basically. <laughs> Interior torture chamber night. Mm. Samael stands over Shin. He closes her eyes. Unbeknownst to him, Basilius has entered. One bodyguard stands near the exit. Basilius says, what are you doing, Sykes? Samael turns. Basilius moves slowly forward to examine Shin. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see she's dead. Mm-hmm. I killed her. <laughs> Basilius turns from his inspection. Kinky. Uh-oh. Samael squares up to Basilius and stares hatefully at him. Ooh. I didn't fuck her, Basilius. I just put her out of her misery. Basilius stares back. Finally, Basilius speaks. His effete quality suddenly evaporates in favour of something more dark. Right, this is going to be testing for my performance ability, but here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I know everybody's me, Batman. <laughs> my mother died from the virus, Sykes, giving birth to me. Half my face is missing because of it. You think I find all this fun? It's an image, my mask. Keep it a game for people to stop them feeling guilty. But I feel none. Like you. We are similar, you and I. It's good that you killed her. One less fucking poor person. Come. The stench is unbearable. Yikes. What a villain. (laughs) Exterior Basilius Rex's mansion, garden, night. A vast garden overrun by nature. Colossal statues covered in ivy tower into the clear night sky. Samael and Basilius stand in the moonlight smoking. Mm. Like they're on fire. (laughs) Further off, the bodyguard stands smoking too. Well, why not? If you're going to set fire to two rich people, might as well set fire to their bodyguards as well. Mm. Elsewhere, they can hear partygoers giggling and talking. But they are quite away from the house. Basilius says, My father is dying, Sykes. It will come to me to address the symposium. And what shall I tell them, these suits from abroad? When I stand in front of them and say the virus is still a threat, they will not believe me. It will only hold them off for so long. I thought he was supposed to say it isn't a threat anymore. I don't know. I don't know if if that's a mistake or not. When I stand in front of them and say the virus is still a threat, they won't believe me. So they'll be like, no, I think it's fine. No, I think the virus is fine now. We're all (laughs) coming back to your country. It will only hold them off for so long before they demand to run tests of their own. It is our country, by Jove. And yet these pseudo-whites think they can wield their hammer of political correctness over us. Wow. 
Uh, that's that track, some awful right-wing murderer just using the phrase political correctness without with, without really understanding what it means or it making any sense in context. <laughs> that That is believable, absolutely. No, it's a very believable script on the whole. Samael says, And is it a threat? Basilius lifts his hand to his face and pulls off the mask, <clears throat> revealing the sorry mess beneath. Rather than scarred flesh, there is a lack thereof. The skin is missing, revealing his muscles beneath, and in some places, his skull is visible. So he'd better hope Ohio Grant is not at this this party or he's going to be in trouble. He looks like an exhibit from Body Worlds. I don't know what Body Worlds is. It's got a capital letter like it's a thing. We cannot forget, will not forgive, and in the end, inevitably, it will mean war. We will not do as these frogs and Swedes demand. It's weird that he only used one slur then. Because, you know, Swede, although it's a vegetable, it's not actually a a slur against Swedish people. Um, We will not do as they demand. Really? Oh, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) What what can I say to all those Swedish people? I I I wonder why they were so relaxed about it. You know what you are? You're a Swede. Uh, uh, (laughs) Yes. Damn it, damn it. They always agree. They will try and apply their laws here by force. The irony, of course, is the poor people will be fighting the war for us. Mm. Yeah, that, that's generally true, isn't it? Bridget has appeared through the undergrowth. Ping. I figured I'd find... Oh, well, question. <laughs> she's just totally saying at this point. Yeah. Breaking the, the tension. Oh, no, Basilius just... Rex, question. <laughs> I figured I'd find you here, talking politics, I presume. Mm. They turn. Bridget flinches ever so slightly at Basilius's face. Oh, yeah, she's sleeping with him, right? <laughs> you told me you were a gorilla under there. You lied to me. <laughs> Basilius places his mask back on. Come inside. It's cold tonight. Your skull will get chilly. <laughs> <laughs> Little Howard dreamed of being a writer. So we sat in the every night But everything he wrote was fucking shite, yeah woman of a no woman of a no Was writer in the world 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of The Worst Writer in the World. If you'd like more, so much more, by us, if you'd like immediate access to days and days of audio and video entertainment, then you can get it for as little as $2 a month from patreon.com slash manbycow. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye, Milk. Bye-bye. Milk! He's a stupid, suck-ass, rubbish writer.